it's hot, huh? First it's an ice cream cone, now it's hot. Like what? What is this microphone even? I gotta be afraid it's gonna melt now. I can't sit too close to it. I Don't get, sit too close to I it. I might get sticky microphone juice all over me. Ew. <laughs> Welcome to Chronically Narnia, the podcast in which my co-host and I discuss the Chronicles of Narnia, chapter by chapter, and today, and today we are discussing chapter five of the Silver Chair. This chapter is called Puddle Glum. I am not serious enough, mm-hmm. also known as Kristen, and this is my co-host. I'm a fricasseed frog. Hello. I was going to introduce myself as a thingummy that takes a serious view of life. Um, but I really liked just being not serious enough. Mm-hmm. Well, Fricassee Prom, <laughs> do you also have a name? Yes, I'm also known as Chris. Hi, Chris. Hi. So glad you joined me on this podcast adventure yep. today. On, uh, you know, day after Father's Day. Hope all of the fathers in our listening audience enjoy... Uh, Enjoyed your grilling session yesterday, being being a provider. And you have no idea what dads do for Father's Day, do you? And and sitting on a couch. So yeah, hope 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 y'all uh, who like hunting went out and found some uh, some duck or snipe or bitterns or herons or. I was really wondering where you're going with that when you started. Whatever you fathers do on your father day. Yep. Hunting herons. Yep. Well, it it's just happens to be the list of birds I found in the chapter, so. I mean, it, it is a list of birds. We didn't have trees, so we, we had didn't. to list birds. Yep. There's the always the nearest trees were very far away, yeah. so. We can still see them, though. Yep. But They're there were the swarms distance. of birds. Yep. Swarms of them, I tell you. Anyway, how do we start this uh, discussion? The first thing that we do uh, as we discuss the chapter is to read our summaries. As you and I, Chris, read the chapters, as our audience knows, uh, we select five sentences out of the chapter and try to summarize the chapter with its own words. Um, Would you like to go first? Sure. I noticed uh, yours is really short today. Like, you usually go for a longer summary, but yours looks pretty uh, concise. Yep. But mine is also... It's a concise chapter. <laughs> it's, it's a concise chapter. Yep. So here's mine. When at last the two owls ended their flight, she climbed stiffly off Glimfeather and found herself on flat ground. Many wigwams like that in which they had passed the night could be seen dotted about, but all at a good distance from one another. For marsh wiggles are people who like privacy. Puddleglum's my name. Oh, yes. I'm coming, of course. Now a job like this, a journey up north just as winter's beginning, looking for a prince that probably isn't there, by way of a ruined city that no one has ever seen, will be just the thing. There you go. We have two sentences in common in the same place. Wow. So here's my summary. She did, however, consent to climb onto Glimfeather's back and was thoroughly waked up for a while. 
by the unexpected coldness of the air when he flew out with her into the night. But she was fast asleep before the voice had ended. Puddleglum's my name. Oh yes, I'm coming, of course. The rest of the day was spent in preparations for an early start the next morning. I wish I had found the sentence that you did, uh, like your last sentence, because that's, I I could have done something like that. But I also didn't want to, like, talk about what their goal was, because it was mentioned, like, once in the chapter. The chapter was very much like, we got here, we slept, we met Puddle Glum and had a page and a half character introduction of Puddle Glum. Uh And then we talked about this giant city that we're going to try to get to. And that's the only thing I couldn't find a way to, like, tie in. I was trying to get the Ettons more and the city somehow in here, but I couldn't do it. Gotcha. Uh, Well, I think I worked it in. So, covered both of us. Cool. Anyway, so, uh, what happens in this chapter? Well, the first sentence, Jill was asleep. Yeah, she was asleep. Which I feel like is about a third of the plot points of this chapter. (laughs) She's very sleepy. Yep. Uh, Also is waked up proper. Is that is that like she a was proper thoroughly waked of, up? Yeah. Does it matter? That same sentence has at least one comma error. I'm I'm not. Well, that's a that, that could be a printing issue. No, that's not. <laughs> okay. I for one of my projects in my advanced grammar class that I took in college, we had mm-hmm. to compare two pieces of literature. We had to choose like two 10 to 15 sentence sections from two different things and compare and contrast them. And we had to do in-depth analysis of every single sentence. So we had to have like a total number of simple sentences, compound, compound, complex, complex, like in each one of them and do a compare and contrast. We had to like have the number of prepositional phrases. We had to do like a full. And so there was no other information like or restrictions about how we went about that. Mm -hmm. Like we just had to compare two, two writings. Uh They didn't even say, like, they have to be from different authors or they have to be the same genre. We just took any two random things. Uh And I I don't deal with that number of variables well. So I took uh, as many variables away as I could. And I took two pieces of writing by the same author, both fiction and both water-based. The only variable was time of writing... And audience intention. One was Voyage of the Dawn Treader in the boat, written for children by C.S. Lewis. And one was a section from Pearl Landra. So I, so I wrote about the arrival of the children in Narnia and the Voyage of the Dawn Treader as they fall into the water and have to get out of the water into the boat. And, then I, and that was written for children. And then C.S. Lewis in Pearl Landra in the Space Trilogy, uh, the character Ransom lands in the water on Pearl Landra and has to get out of the water. And this is the two sets where that one is written for an adult audience. I took those two and compared and contrasted them. C.S. Lewis has an absurd number of comma splices and errors in proper uh, accepted American grammar in his fiction. And Mm -hmm. it is such a nightmare for someone who's like, yeah, I have to write a paper on this. It was a bad choice. Uh-huh. So moral of the story, if you ever have to write an advanced grammar paper analyzing some kind of literature, like don't do literature that was like in fact narrated. Yeah. <laughs> because it's a lot of errors. Yeah. 
Waked up still sounds weird. Anyway, so Jill was asleep. Thanks. I forgot how I got onto that. <laughs> I was like, how did I get into that? Uh, but she did, however, consent to climb on Glim- Glimfeather's back. She, uh, consent is important here. Yes. Um, she. <laughs> but they flew off and they land somewhere in the dark, flat ground. We don't really know. It's a marsh yet. It's a marsh. They go and land. They see a light coming toward them, a figure they can't really see. Uh, and they get taken inside a structure. Like, a lot of, like, confusion as to where they are starting the chapter. It's yep. just like, hey, we're in the dark, flat ground structure. We're laying on a warm, soft thing. And there's That's all it. all legs and arms. All legs and arms. Kind of terrifying. It's a light coming out of the darkness, and it's all legs and arms. Uh, and somebody's saying something to them about sleeping and how damp it's going to be. And then they doze off. Yep. And they wake up the next morning. And quite warm and quite dry and quite quite rested. And and Eustace like, knows exactly where they are. Like they wake up and Jill's just well, like the Well, he heck? was a little more awake. And why was he a little more awake, Chris? When they had their conversation with uh when they when they arrived. Did they did they explain that? Well, <clears throat> she, Jill, did not realize that he, uh, Eustace had been on oh, great yes. adventures in that world before, and that the Narnian heir was bringing back to him a strength he had won when he sailed the eastern seas with King Caspian. Yeah, he's he's back in full force. He is. He's he is being revived and brought back to the strength he had won. Yeah, by the Narnian heir. So yep. like, it's energizing, but yes. also clouds your mind. But and it makes clouds it, your mind. Yeah. yeah. So you can't hear Aslan so clearly. Hmm. Just thinking of like what drug to compare Narnian air to. <laughs> Synergizing and clouds your mind, like you know, the Hobbit's or, leaf. Yeah, something. <laughs> Seems like that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> or like the uh, the Marsh Wiggles weird tobacco that like makes smoke fall in the ground instead of rise upward. Like mist. Which will, yeah. It's mixed with mud though, and mud wants to be on the ground. That's mud is the ground. Whoa. 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 <laughs> um, Anyway, Eustace is just like, well, obviously we're in the wigwam of a marsh wiggle. Yes. Like, who doesn't know that? And I wrote that down as just <sighs> in the wigwam of a marsh wiggle because out of context, that is just like such a fun statement. Mm-hmm. And it also just sounds bad and like whimsical at the same time. That should have been the chapter title. Like, I think that that should be a menu item at like some whimsical restaurant. Like In the wigwam of a marsh wiggle? Yep. I don't know if I'd order that. Like- like eggs in a basket or something. I don't know. Eggs uh-huh. in a blanket. What Marsh do you call wiggles it? in a wigwam. Marsh wiggles in a wigwam. I don't know if I'd order that on a menu. Yeah. I'd just be like, what? What exactly is a marsh wiggle? Um, but it's French with a touch of whimsy. Uh-huh. As I learned in this chapter, the marsh wiggles are not at all what I thought they were going to be. Yep. No. Nope. Which I don't know if that's disappointing or not. They're all legs and arms. Yeah. That's it. But they're not like super whimsical critters like the uh, the uh, duffel puds. They have they have webbed hands and webbed feet. They do. So they're basically Gungans. Yep. Um, <laughs> yes. Only the torso of him is about the size of a dwarf. Yeah. So. Interesting. Anyway. He's a he's a dwarf frog. So. <laughs> that's what they are. With a pointy hat. So is, With a wide he, brim. Is he part witch? Like what? Maybe. Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe he's just a scarecrow with his hair that looks like 
pond grass or something. Yeah, like reeds. Yeah. Possibly. Might be a scarecrow. Uh, anywho. So they wake up, wander outside. They look around and see this, you know, not desolate, but like very flat, very uh, very still marsh, except for all the flocks of birds flying about, which you listed earlier, so we don't have to list the birds again. It would have been a depressing place on a wet evening. Mm-hmm. Seen under a morning sun with a fresh wind blowing and the air filled with the crying of birds, there was something fine and fresh and clean about its loneliness. The children felt their spirits rise. Yep. And you can tell this was written by somebody from England who was, like, familiar with, like, English moors and not somebody describing, like, American marshlands because they don't have... (laughs) There's no, like five descriptions of how many freaking mosquitoes and bugs there were oh yeah yeah no uh <laughs> no concern about the gators coming up yeah and the constant droning noise of like cicadas and locusts and, and oh yeah and frogs and like and the concern about the wild invasive pythons yeah <laughs> like swamps are very loud yeah like swamps <laughs> are very loud but and this like isn't the... a swamp this is this is a marsh it's a marsh different thing yeah uh, loud, full of bugs. So this this does sound much more appealing than like the the marshes that I'm used to. Yeah. Uh, so anywho, it's it's also not described as stinky. Yeah, they're that too. Yeah, like my when you say marsh, my first thought is wet and yucky smelling. Like uh-huh. these are the these are the first two descriptors. Like, lit. It smells bad yeah. and it's wet. I have wet socks <laughs> and I smell wet socks. You yeah. know. I'm getting covered Ugh. in ticks. No, see, it's not even the ticks thing. Like, <laughs> no. Yeah, wet socks. Uh, My childhood best friend had a tick once. <laughs> Got a tick once. <laughs> I don't know. This was one of those like big fears as a child when the when the tick like cartoon was out. I I, I don't know. This just was a thing. Like we were always talking about. That was tick awareness. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, hi, I live in California desert. I'm really, really scared of getting a tick. That's why you won't go hiking with me ever, though. I mean, you, you took me years. hiking, and the the second thing that you said after I was like, my socks are wet, was, you know, like, do we need to go back to the car? Also, don't get ticks. Uh-huh. Like, I was like, why? I'm so yeah, you've brought back this primal childhood fear that I had instilled in me. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, so they are wandering around the marsh and they see the marsh wiggle. They do. Good they morning, guests. Uh, and he's, uh, we kind of descri- described him a little bit. He's a uh, tall, kind of frog-like man. Though when I... arms and legs. Oh, go ahead. Though when I say good, I don't mean it won't probably turn to rain. <sighs> Or it might be snow, or fog, or thunder. You don't, you didn't get any sleep, I dare say. So yes, yeah. he's got rather sunken cheeks, a tight mouth. He's he's described in a very like sharp, yeah, and stern manner. Yeah, and he's described even as he took a serious view of life. Like you could see that from his compl- his muddy complexion. Yeah, and he wore clothes the color of earth. He blended into the marsh. He did, and it's, he's an interesting character and not at all what I was expecting when we mentioned Marsh Wiggles, as I mentioned uh, yes. in the last chapter. Um, I don't know if I'd describe this guy as a wiggle. That's a, It seems like a weird descriptor. 
but I don't know. He, he seems very like, you know, when I think Wiggle, I think like very, uh, well, he's not a Martian. It's such a, it's a much better name. I don't know. I, I feel like a Martian, a Marshall. Uh-huh. Like they're, they're, they're frog-like. Call them like marsh hoppers or something. I don't know. Wig, but like he's wiggle, not a hopper. Like wig, wiggle. he's, he is a scarecrow. Like he's, is he a marsh crow? Call him like a bog strider. I don't know. Ooh, a bog strider. Isn't that like a Star Wars thing though? Mm, I don't think so. Oh. But something like that. See, like a bog strider reminds me of like the, uh. The, the little lava walkers from uh, Minecraft. Minecraft. <laughs> Those friends. I'm like, it's a little bog strider. It's like a, it's a wet, moist, moldy version of one of those little lava walkers. Oh, that's what he is. From the nether. Uh, yeah, but yeah, he's a very solemn, uh, serious guy, and he's, uh, he's very down about basically everything. Oh, I wouldn't say he's down. He's... <laughs> I would say that he is jinxing the possibility of bad things. Uh-huh. You know, like people, when you're like, oh, uh, it's going to be a really good day. Like, oh, don't jinx it. Yeah. You know, he's just like, oh, you probably didn't sleep well and it's going to rain later. You know, like uh-huh. he's jinxing the possibility of bad things. Uh, he's putting them all out there right now so that, you know, they don't happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we'll get to more of that in my baseless speculation because mm-hmm. I have ideas. Okay. Uh, but he does come off as very pessimistic uh, and very, uh, you know. Well, oh, you know what? Like, this is he, probably going to go poorly. He also says, as soon as they say anything went well, he's like, "That's that's to put on a good face. Like, that's yeah. very brave of you. Good, you were raised good on well. You, you yeah. were raised well. Yeah. And he's very positive about people's <laughs> response to his negativity. Well, that's why the other Marshwiggles think he's just too happy-go-lucky and positive. You know. Oh no, <laughs> he is. In fact, <laughs> he's too full of bobbins and bounce and high spirits yeah he's just such a positive guy yeah uh according to that so i mean the marsh wiggles seem like an interesting folk so they live out here like they're very solitary it seems like they like their privacy have all their wigwams uh mm-hmm. built very far apart um I'm curious as to what they make the wigwams out of because usually like a wigwam or a tp is like made out of stitched leather or something like that i'm curious as to where they're where they get the leather and the bug because it doesn't seem to be any, like, large animals wandering about. Oh, they just stitch together eel skins. <laughs> Thousands of eel skins. Yep. It's a lot of work. Uh, but he's out there, and he's uh, fishing, trying to catch some a few eels for dinner. Oh, yeah. He doesn't as, think uh, he'll get any, but... As one does in the marsh. And they... And if he does, they won't like it. They come up, and he's just like, you know what? Why don't you guys go get a fire started? The if woods... you would try. Try. No, no harm in trying. <laughs> the wood's probably wet, but, you know, go ahead and try it. Anyway, they get one going quite successfully because like Eustace learned these things in his last adventure I don't think at any point he started a fire in the book but maybe that happened off screen oh yeah I mean they <sighs> they were on all of these different islands that they stayed on so that's they... true but uh, I mean learning how to use a tinder box is not like a big effort yeah uh and Puddle Glum wanders back he's got a big catch of eels the he's kids are successfully introduced himself yeah yeah he's got the big catch Back to a roaring fire, lights up a pipe that is full of like weird swamp tobacco. Uh, it falls around the ground. And I don't know if you have this artwork in your book of I, them. I don't. The only artwork I have is Puddle Glum coming out of the mist. With oh, the, uh... so I have this with this really weird perspective in this in this photo. Well, this photo, this yeah. actual photo of the events that took place <laughs> of this artwork. Yeah, that's weird. Where like that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Go where, ahead and describe it for the audience. Uh, well, like, Puddle Glim is standing there with it, and you can clearly see his smoke billowing out over the ground. The kids are at the fire. They're not all next to the wigwam, which appears to be about four and a half feet tall. Yeah. <laughs> like, this yeah. is a tiny, it is, tiny wigwam. The, the top of it is below the brim of the hat, yes. Yeah. Uh, and this is a thing that's large enough for three people to sleep in. Apparently. So... I don't know. They they did a good. They did a terrible job with the uh, the scale of the wigwam here. Maybe it's like a forced perspective thing, and it's actually really far away. But who knows? Also, correct me if I'm wrong. Pretty sure your traditional wigwam or teepee is constructed in such a way that it has the hole in the top, allowing you to light a fire inside of it. And the smoke goes. Um, a traditional wigwam, no. A traditional wigwam, and I'm, I'm getting this from the uh, Oxford Languages Dictionary, uh-huh. is a hut or tent with a domed or conical roof uh-huh. made by fastening bark, hides, or reed mats okay. over a framework of poles that are, tradi- uh, that are used traditionally by some North American tribes. Semi-permanent domed dwelling. So first of all, the artwork is of a teepee. Uh Uh-huh. Wigwams are domed, typically. Used by First Nations peoples. Um, They're still used for ceremonial events. Yeah, so here are some pictures for you of some wigwams. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Make sure I get the the terminology right. Yeah. So wigwam typically wouldn't have, like a teepee would have a hole for a fire, yes, but a wigwam would not. Uh, Anywho, so now that we've got our terminology correct, they start the fire, they start to cook the eels, and then they get into the talk of their journey. Yes. And uh, the kids are like, yep, we gotta have help getting Prince Rillian, we gotta go north, etc., etc. And Petalglum's just like, yeah, that's a grand old idea. Beginning of the year, I'm sure we're going to encounter all sorts of enemies and obstacles, and like the weather's going to be terrible, and we're going to have no food, and we're probably going to starve. Yep. But but sure, I'll help, quote unquote. And he keeps saying we. Yep. And they're like, are you coming with us? Of course he's coming. Yep. Might as well. Uh, he's like, apparently Narnia is in bad shape. Like, we're never going to see the king again. Uh, Trumpkin's going to die. It's a terrible dry <laughs> summer. They're going to have the a. Crops are going to fail. They're going to have a famine. Like, you know, just this, you know, portents of doom that he's just laying on thick, being like, yeah, Narnia's going to fail, so why not? Let's go on a fool's errand. Yes, but on top of all of that, like, beyond him talking about all of this, he's also so sarcastic. Uh And I'm here for it. (laughs) Like, we have this exchange here. We've got to start by finding a ruined city of giants, said Jill. Aslan said so. Got to start by finding it, have we? Answered Puddleglum. Not allowed to start by looking for it, I suppose. <laughs> I love that. Like, that's the only thing about Puddleglum that I like. He's He annoys me so much. Like, I have very distinct memories of reading this as a young person uh-huh. and just being annoyed by how he acted and talked like i did not like puddle glum as a kid i just he annoyed me so much as a character don't love puddle glum and like on top of that like now i'm able to read some of the sarcasm in here as an adult and Uh like see some of that like and i really appreciate the sarcasm and it makes me read all of his negativity a little more sarcastic like that line makes me read his like oh well i might as well go with you Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, everything's going to fall apart anyway. 
Uh-huh. You know, if the world's gonna end, might as well end over there. Might as well. Like, I don't know. I just, I read it less, less as depressed and more as sarcastic with that line. But I'm also reading it through the lens that makes it more enjoyable for me intentionally. Oh, because I want to enjoy it. Yeah, we might as well if we're doing this project. Yeah, my, I mean, if we're going to read the book, we might as well read it in a way that makes us happy. Yeah. And Jill's like, <laughs> when we found it in, in Polygon's like, yes, when? Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, yes, when? <laughs> Um, and he's just like, yep, we got to go across Ettensmore. It's like the, you know, land it's of the river. giant. It's a river. There's no bridges. Nope. But people have forded it. He'll I admit guess. that. Like, it's it's a thing that's happened. Uh, and there's giants over there. The owls probably should have mentioned this. They probably should have. They, they probably go go. did. Jill was asleep. They got to go into this land of giants that uh, Narnie is at peace with as long as nobody actually goes over there. Yeah, as long as they each <laughs> stay on their own sides of the river. What is the river called? Stibble? The shri- Shribble. 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 The Shribble River. Shribble River. River River Shribble. <laughs> river Shribble. Nope. <laughs> that one's hard. Uh, so as long as somebody crosses the river, everybody's fine. But of course they have to cross the river. Uh, and Puddlegum's like, oh, well. Of course they're going to meet people over there. Yeah. Puddlegum's like, oh, well, here's all the problems with this. And then Eustace gets a little angry. He's just uh. like, look, I'm tired of this bull crap that you're throwing out there about like you know how everything how everything is going to go wrong and like all the hardships we're going to face like you going to help us or not expecting uh, puddle Glum to get mad in reply and he's just like no wouldn't do us any good to fight that's how adventures always go we're gonna fight eventually <laughs> yeah. might as well uh hold off on that for now yeah uh so and then used to start talking about going alone and then puddle Glum's just like yep nope i'm gonna come period coming with you uh, it'll do me some good because I'm just too chipper and full of uh, positive energy and all the other marshals are just like, nope, he's got to calm down and come back to reality. Yep. Like, this guy's got his head in the clouds. He's got to uh, sober up. we got to get him calmed down. Yep. Uh, but then dinner's finished and yep. they uh, have a delicious dinner of eel. Yep. The kids have two helpings each. Yep. Have had eel before. It can be delicious. Have you? I've that. never had eel before that I know of. Yeah. I've had eel sushi. It's pretty good. Really? Yeah. It's very, very flaky fish. You're, you're saying that and just being silent after, like, you expect me to be like, oh, yeah, I've had it too. I'm certain. Oh, yes, I've watched you eat that before. Yeah, woo. <laughs> I said I haven't. You said you have. We... Don't you remember that one time I cooked and you came home and the fridge was full of eels? Yeah, I totally don't remember that. You filled the vegetable drawer with water and they were alive swimming yeah. around in there. You just had to reach one and fish, reach yeah. and fish one out. They were next next door to the to the drawer filled with a live lobster. <laughs> Our fridge is a whimsical place. Yes, it is. Anyway, so they eat a delicious meal. Um, Puddle Glum offers the children some of his swamp moonshine, which <laughs> from his square black square black bottle. Yep, which uh, apparently they tried and they thought it was that was pretty gross. Yep. So, you know, maybe there's mud in it. It's a little like marsh, the tobacco. marsh shine. Yep. And, and so they, they get packed, and I, I think we should spend a little time talking about what they carry with them. Oh, yeah. So Puddleum, being the biggest, he's going to carry the three blankets with a large bit of bacon rolled up inside them. So yeah. I think know, that that you, means like a hunk of meat. Yes. I don't think that that's like strips of bacon. Probably not, but, but still. But I like... pictured it as strips of bacon. Like I pictured it as laying out a blanket yeah. and laying out a bunch of strips. 
like, like the length of the blanket, just like one stripe of bacon down yeah. the bay, down the, uh-huh. and then rolling it up. Yeah, it's like a little, uh, like, like, bacon like a total of like 12 pieces of bacon in the whole collection of blankets he's carrying. Like, yeah. I don't. But like, they're, they're carrying their meat wrapped up in their sleeping blankets, which seems like an interesting choice to me. Seems like a dream yep. come true for you to sleep in a bacon blanket. I don't know if my skin would appreciate the greasiness. Uh, so he's carrying those. I mean, you're already sleeping in a marsh, so. And then Jill is carrying the remains of the eels, mm-hmm. some biscuit, and the tinderbox. And then Scrub gets the easy job, and he's just got to carry his own cloak and Jill's when they don't want to don't want to wear them. Well, and his sword. So he's got, yeah. So uh, he has Puddleglum's second best bow. Oh, yeah, because Puddleglum's like, got the best one. Duh. Like, I, I feel like it's interesting here because it says second best, which kind of implies to me that Puddleglum has at least three bows. Well, yeah, I guess yeah, that like, you might be right on that. Yeah. Like, he, he's got, like, a, col- a bow collection. Also, Scrub's got a sword, which they left for him in the castle when he got changed because they were like oh hey here's a change of clothes and of course you'll need a sword here's this mm-hmm. which i mean jill- it's it's standard like court attire though jill doesn't get a sword she doesn't get a bow either she's got to make do with her easy. knife that she brought from her own world yep yeah so she's she's defenseless because well i mean you know it's it's dreadful when girls fight so well i mean she's got to carry the food <sighs> yeah because if she doesn't carry the food they're just going to starve yeah well, I mean, she's the one who's got to cook, obviously. <laughs> anyway. Um, so they both have swords and bows, and Jill Puddle has... Puddleglum is carrying the blankets for, like, comfort and protection. He's carrying a bow for protection. He's carrying some food. Yeah. Puddleglum is carrying three things, and he is fulfilling this kind of, like, maternal-paternal cross as protector and guide. And then you have Jill carrying food and the tools necessary to use it, the knife and the and the tinderbox. And then you have Eustace carrying the protection things, the, the blanket and the sword and the bow. Um, so, I mean, if there's two primary roles here, of uh, if we're combining blankets and cloaks with weapons and saying protection and sustenance, Puddleglum is both of them, and each of the kids are only carrying one. It's a symbolic thing, I think, and I think that it I think that it reads into a very interesting gender identity for uh, Puddleglum. Okay. I mean, if we're going to do a queer reading of this, I, I was, was trying to I, get I was, there, <laughs> and you interrupted me, and then the plane interrupted me, and I couldn't get there in a flow of sentence. Like and I, so I'm glad we got somewhere. That was a journey. <laughs> This is what college literature classes are like. <laughs> anyway, uh, so they start off on this adventure. That's what they're carrying. And they, you know, Jill and Eustace try to get into another fight. They do a little bit of a sparring real quick. And then Petalgum says, like, yep, this is what happens. People get in fights and end up shanking each other. And then they shut up. It's so like, they just really want to get into a fight. Like, they're just quarrelsome young people. They're- they're tired. Uh-huh. One of them's revived in his strength that he earned in Narnia, and one of them's just like, I don't know where I am. Yeah. Uh, and then they go have a not restful night of sleep. They stay one more night in the wigwam, and uh, Puddlebum snores. Keeps them up. Rude. Host. And 
that's what happens in the chapter. There you go. Maybe that's why the wigwams are so far apart. Maybe it <laughs> has nothing to do with their privacy requirements. <laughs> it has to do with how loud they snore. It's possible. It's just a thought. Sure. Cool. Anything else we want to add? Um, we have one moment of optimism from Puddle Glum that I thought I might point out. Okay. That's true enough, said Puddle Glum. They, the giants, they are at peace with us all right. As long as we stay on our own side of the shrivel, they won't do us any harm. Over on their side, on the moor, still there's a chance. If we don't get near any of them, or if none of them forget themselves, and if we're not seen... It's just possible that we might get a long way. Hopefully. Maybe. Yeah. We might get there. I noticed a distinct tone change from him there, and I thought that it was uh, something worth noting, that, like, he has this kind of optimism about not being seen. Yep. Like, this is the one thing he's optimistic about. Well, he does have some pretty good camouflage. Yeah. At least in a marsh. I don't know what the Edmore is going to be like, but... I mean, there you go. Yeah. We'll see. Cool. So, would you like to jump into our rewrite section? Sure. Okay. Unless you have something else. Deals. I'm just making sure. <sighs> they got into another fight. The kids got into f- two different fights in this one. Or we have, we have Scrub like yell at Puddleglum, and Puddleglum says, "Oh yeah, no, not no dude fighting now." Then uh-huh. they, then he talks about knifing each other, and then in the last paragraph, the kids get into a fight again. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so they talk about Prince Rillian, and he says uh, most of the people who look for Prince Rillian start at the fountain where his mother died. Yeah. And then head north from there. We're not going to do that if we're going to just go look for this ruined giant city. Then we need to just head to the moors now. Mm-hmm. And so that, that I found interesting that he is obviously aware of people's strategies. Uh-huh. And logical strategies in looking for someone who's missing, you know, 10 years. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, I don't know. That's that's all. I just thought I'd share my thoughts on that. Cool. Um, but yeah, if you want to get into the rewrite section. Sure. So uh, I, I, I wanted to say more, but I have that sort of a baseless speculation. Okay. 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 Uh, that's, I, I will respond to that. Okay. All right. So uh, our rewrite section. Yeah, what do we do here? No, you, you tell me. <laughs> well, if you haven't joined for the last 70-some-odd episodes, what we do here is we go through the chapter, pick out five additional sentences, and use them to tell our own story. And we call this Narnia Chopped and Screwed. That's how it goes. Yep. Cool. Since I read my summary first, would you like to read your rewrite first? Sure. Cool. I think mine's really good this time. I was proud of it. I struggled with mine. Uh-huh. I had an idea, and I don't think that I arrived. We'll see. As they drew nearer... The figure turned its head and showed them a long, thin face with rather sunken cheeks, a tight, shut mouth, a sharp nose, and no beard. He seemed to be all legs and arms. She had never liked giants, even in books, and she had once met one in a nightmare. You've got to learn that life isn't all fricasseed frogs and eel pie. Shut up and don't be an ass, Scrub, said Jill hastily, terrified that the Marshwiggle should take him at his word. 
Okay. I'm trying to make yeah. Puddleglum a giant who is going to eat them. Uh-huh. Could not get anywhere with Puddleglum eating. Uh-huh. He didn't eat in the chapter yeah. in sentence format. Like, he ate, but he didn't eat in the chapter in sentence format. Yeah. So I was trying really hard to get to this idea that Jill is afraid that this monster is going to eat her. Well, it's funny you should mention that because it went a very similar direction with my yeah. storyline. Shocking. Um, yeah. It's you did it better. Something about something about Puddle Glum. So here's mine, which I think worked out. It trickled out of the bowl and downwards and drifted along the ground like a mist. What's food for Wiggles may be poison for humans, I shouldn't wonder, he said. You'll lie cold and hard. Jill was asleep. I thought as much. <laughs> I like it. I like it. You did a good job. You did a good job. Thank you. I like that. Me trying to rewrite Puddle Glum as a more... Uh, yeah, it's a menacing, menacing character. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Excellent so. job. Ooh, I like it. All right, so the next uh, segment that we do... Well, is there anything... We obviously get a lot of descriptors of Puddle Glum in this chapter that led both of us to make him a very menacing or dangerous character. Mm-hmm. So is there something there? Like, do we think that Puddle Glum actually is a negative figure or do we think that he is... Do I think he is? No. I think he, he definitely comes off that way and, like, it's like, you know, this very... He's almost this very Lovecraftian character of, like, if you've read anything like The Shadow of Rinsmith, uh and you have, like, these these villagers and these cultists who are, like, frog people that worship the god Dagon. Like, and he, you know, he's this, you know, very down, depressed, like, frog man who lives alone in the middle of the swamp and, like, you know, obviously knows more than he's letting on and just, you know, gives off vibes. Mm-hmm. Like, he he is not a... He's not a whimsical character. Mm-mm. Like, despite the name. But there you go. Uh, but that can feed right into my baseless speculation sure so So. the last segment that we do is baseless speculation uh also uh called hashtag narnia pock and and bruce Bruce. (laughs) and this is uh where chris who has never read these books before and has still no spoilers for this book correct still no spoilers for this book um people just don't talk about this book as much on the internet yeah they don't They, they don't the other ones, yes. This one, no. Yeah. And this is probably one of my favorites, so we'll mm. see where we go. We have this segment where Chris takes what he's read so far and speculates baselessly about where the book's going. Yeah. Cool. So, I mean, this isn't a, a chapter that's chock full of things. Like, we introduce one new character, Puddle Glum. Uh, so, obviously, most of my speculation is going to focus on that. I have to admit I was wrong in the last chapter. There were not multiple Wiggles wearing different colored shirts and singing about cold spaghetti didn't happen there are no musical numbers in this chapter at all not recorded (laughs) at least disappointing yeah were it tolkien there would have been a musical number there absolutely would have been like a march wiggle song that there would have been (laughs) like i i picture almost kind of like a low dirge or like a humming type like maybe like a a mongolian throat singing that's the Mm. vibe i get from the march wiggles yeah um you want you want like a uh a toad ribbiting yeah. in the background. Yeah. Either that or like really, really like bluegrass, like down home country vibes. Yeah. Uh, anywho. 
So we only meet the one more. Been forgotten, I Joe. <laughs> I've been married a long time ago. Yep. You can just picture uh, Puddle Glum singing Cotton Eye Joe. Yep. Anywho. It, it matches his vibe. Fun fact. No one knows where that song comes from. That's cool. It's a very old folk song that, like, we have lyrics to that have been written down and passed down in certain communities, but, like, nobody has any idea how old it is or who wrote it in the first place. Interesting. It's just been floating around America for a long time. Yeah. Uh, anywho. So... <laughs> Character of Puddleglum. Uh, I don't think he is menacing. I think he means well, uh, and I don't think he's a he's a traitorous character of any time. I think there's definitely more to Puddleglum than is being let on, mm-hmm. because this is specifically the guy that Glimfeather takes the kids to. Like we don't know. Like the kids are sleepy when they get there. We don't know what happens or what is said between Glimfeather and Puddleglum. But, like, there's obviously a reason that, like, you know, the owls are like, oh, you guys have to go up north to the city of the giants. Like, Marshwiggles have to help you, and specifically this guy. Mm-hmm. And this guy almost gives me very, like, very Obi-Wan in A New Hope kind of vibes. Where he's, like, this weird old dude that lives out in the middle of nowhere, but, like, obviously is somebody. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. like, obviously has more knowledge than he's letting on. Because so you think like he's like Obi Wan. That's yeah. Because like he knows very like he's obviously you know he's been to the end more before he's been to the land of the giants like he knows exactly. Has he? He seems he's to, been that direction. He says he said he's been as far as anybody else has that he reckons. Which means that he's got the same knowledge as everybody else. Yes, but why he also, is he special? But he also knows like you know how people normally go about looking for the prince. So this is not his first interaction with like heroes that have gone off looking for. Prince Rillian. Yeah. Obviously. Not his first rodeo. Yeah. Because I'll, by the second rodeo, everyone's an expert. Yeah. Also, for a guy that lives in the middle of the swamp and, you know, is surrounded by, like, <clears throat> distant neighbors and goes out and fishes for eels all day, he's obviously very well armed. Like, he's got a sword. He's got at least two bows, probably more. Did he have a sword? I thought he just had two bows. No, he's got a sword. They both he, had swords. Okay. Uh, and so, like, he's got a lot of weaponry for just a guy that lives out in the middle of the swamp. I mean, like, yeah. Uh, and he's so he's a good, he's a good Southern boy. Uh huh. <laughs> he's got his gun collection. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Obviously, he's been on adventures before. He's gone and done things and stuff, uh, and has some sort of knowledge. And earlier in the chapter, you touched on something I was going to get into a little bit, where you say, oh, "Well, obviously, he's like, you know, jinxing bad things from happening, and like he's speaking these things so that you know." We, uh, we've covered our bad luck. And I, I think there's a case to be made that Puddle Glum at least operates in some sort of magical domain. He's not necessarily, like, a wizard or anything, but, like, he's wearing the pointy hat. Like, he... And it seems like every time he makes a declaration, the opposite of that thing ends up happening. Except right. for the sleeping well before the adventure. Uh-huh. But he's like, oh, of course, you know, you're going to go start a fire, like the wood's going to be wet, etc. Like when they first get there, he's like, well, you're not going to, you're not going to sleep well, I reckon. And they pass out like logs, like, oh, I'm not going to have a good catch. He catches a dozen eels. Though he does say not that I suppose any of us will close an eye tonight. And he instantly fell asleep. Uh So he does, he is, he is opposite of that. Yes. And like, oh, you guys aren't going to like this food. It's delicious. So, like, he has this thing where anytime he says something, the opposite happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and maybe and which I'm, this, I was thinking, too. And maybe he has this, 
not not that he's actively using magic, but he has almost this passive magical quality to him. Hmm. Yeah, where, like, I like he, that. Where he's, you know, manifesting reality in some way by speaking out against it. I like um, that a lot. And this could be why Glimfeather's just like, this is the guy that needs to take him up north. Because, like, he has this aura about him. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, he's, he's a down guy and he's going to be like, Oh, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen, and that's going to ensure they have a safe passage. Yeah, because he has just this field that's affecting things. Yeah, I uh, like it. Oh, now my question is: Has Puddleglum made this journey before? Because he says something about most people when going to search for the prince, so they start at the pond, they go north. Has he? possibly helped other adventurers get into get past Eddins more and they just failed has he been a guide before and that's why Glenfeather comes to him maybe mm-hmm. that's why he has the weaponry he's prepared it seems that way a little bit to me but mm-hmm. also like I don't know uh, uh, yeah I don't know yeah. I can't get the scarecrow image out of my head and I keep comparing him to if I only had a heart <laughs> From the, you know, well, Scarecrow yellow was brick road. He was missing a brain. Brain. Yeah. If I only had a brain. Yeah. Which I don't think uh, that really applies because I don't see Puddle Glum as like a stupid character. He's very pessimistic, but I feel like, you know, he does come off as somewhat intelligent. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, so. so, yeah, that's, uh, I think we're definitely going to find out more about Puddle Glum. Uh, with next chapter is where the wild things are. No, it's not where the wild things are. It's uh, the next chapter is the, the wild, wild wastelands. wastelands of the north. Yes, wild wastelands. Uh, and so maybe we see more of his like you know strange powers or abilities, or and we we learn more about him as we go into the wastelands. Obviously, we go and meet giants. Uh, maybe maybe they are bringing the eels with them for a reason, and they're like you know. Giants can't get eels, and they think they're a delicacy, and that's going to be, like, an important trading opportunity. I mean, it also just seems like the most ready food support. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm baselessly speculating here. <laughs> Supply. Maybe. Also, where does the bacon come from? Where indeed? <laughs> uh-huh. Because, like, we don't see any pigs. We see birds. We do see birds. We didn't bring a heron with us, though. Uh-huh. Also. We brought bacon. Also, they don't have any fricasseed frog. Well, life's like not all fricasseed frogs. And eel pies. Anyway, so that's all I got. I'm trying to think of a dwarven curse, but, like, the, it's not all fricasseed and frogs. Yeah. He's a wise sage character. Maybe, I, maybe like, if I'm using my Star Wars metaphors, maybe I shouldn't do Obi-Wan in The New Hope. Maybe I should do Yoda in Empire. Like when we first when we first meet Yoda and he's just like this weird dude living in a swamp who's like a noise Luke. I was thinking like, is it Maze or whatever the one with the big goggles in one of the new new ones? Yeah, Maz, Maz Maz. Kanata, I think. Maz. Yeah. All right. Um, Moving on from Star Wars. Or, (laughs) or I think he's C three PO. I was gonna say if he's a Star Wars character, he's three. He's C three PO. Or, obviously, Jar Jar, who's, like, the Sith Lord that's behind everything. No, he's C-3PO. <laughs> if he's anything, he's C-3PO. Just because of his personality? Yeah. Okay. Because he's useful, helpful, uh-huh. pessimistic, 
and ends up saving the day a few times. Oops. And like is, I don't know. Accidentally saves the day. Yeah. Kind of just stumbles through it and causes yeah. good things to happen. It's like, why would you do that? Don't do that. The odds of us <sighs> never tell me the odds. You know, whatever. Yeah. All right. I think we've uh, fulfilled our contra- contractually obligated five minutes of Star Wars discussion in this podcast. Yep. For this, so, for this book. So we can probably close out now. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today uh, as we discussed chapter five of The Silver Chair. Next week, we will be discussing chapter six, uh, The Wild Wastelands of the North. Cool. In the meantime, if you'd like to interact with us in the uh, general internet sphere, you can do so at Chronically Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, at Chronically Pod on Twitter, or you can email us your fan art of the inside of a wigwam at chronicallypodcast at gmail.com. You can also send us money at patreon.com slash chronicallypodcast if you're cool like that, you know. Just because you like it mm-hmm. and you want to mm-hmm. for no other reason. You don't get anything for it. Yeah. You know, because we're doing our whole world building project off we, mic. We have, yes. Off We have mic, yet to Chris. record these. Off mic. Yeah, you know, we still have a hundred more questions to get through, so we have so much material. Yes, and we have done <laughs> 50 questions off mic. We just need to bring our microphone with us to when we go out and yes. do these things. Anyway, uh, in the meantime, if you are ever offered wigwam pipe, don't smoke it. See, I was going to say, don't drink any Marshine. <laughs> so. Yep. Just don't, don't accept anything but eels from <laughs> yep. a marsh wiggle. If it's eels or a bow, go for it. <laughs> but if it's, if it's something you ingest that's, uh, you know, in a black bottle. Or in a pipe, just say no. Say say no to marsh trucks. <laughs> Bye. See ya. wet socks and I smell wet socks you know I'm getting covered Ugh. in ticks I mean they're in the wigwam of a marsh wiggle so. yeah, okay whatever chapter by chapter and today there's an airplane joining us hello Special airplane Special guest <laughs> didn't know that was uh that was gonna drop in and mud wants to be on the ground that's mud is the ground whoa 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 um <laughs> Many wigwams like that in which they had spent. Can't even read my writing this time. Like usual. Like my, when you say marsh, my first thought is wet and yucky smelling. It's like a, it's a wet, moist, moldy version of one of those little lava walkers. Well, he's not a Martian. (laughs) It's such a, it's a much better name remind myself that that word was downward our fridge is a whimsical place yes it is anyway puddle glum has got food protection and comfort why do you have your eyes closed through all this because i'm